a little brown sack and his milk in a pint jar. And it, when he went to school, he'd put it in the creek, keep it cold, and, and all of those kind of things. And everyone I've just told some story about how old they were and what they remembered. So it was my turn. So I said, I guess my oldest memory is I remember when we got our first riding lawnmower. That's about as far as I can go back. Amen. <laughs> Look at Job 5 and verse 11. I want you to stand. And tonight we're going to think about how to stand when we don't understand. What are we laughing at? Job 5, and that's spelled J-A-M-E-S. I did take one year of schooling in Alabama, so you'll have to... To forgive me. James 5. James 5. And look at verse 11. James 5 and verse 11. We've been working our way through the book of James. And we're coming close to getting to the end. Although we'll be in it several more weeks. But I want you to look at just one verse tonight. The Bible said, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job... And have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's pray. And tonight we'll look at this one verse and think about how to stand when we don't understand. I believe there's some lessons we can glean from this one verse here that will be helpful to us. Let's pray. Our Father tonight, in Jesus' name, we are thankful for your word and as we come tonight, we realize, Lord, that the Bible, the Word of God, is more than just a book to read and to learn a few things about. But it's your Word to us. Lord, what we read in the pages of this book is just as if you were speaking to us personally. In fact, Lord, when we read this Word, you are speaking to us. You're speaking to us from the printed page. And so, Father, we come tonight, this is your Word to us. And so help us, Lord, to approach it with that attitude. May we hear what the Spirit of God has to say. Now help us, Lord, to glean tonight. Help us to learn. But, Lord, help us to glean truth that will help us as we serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake we ask these things. Amen. Now, as you know, over the past several weeks, we have been in this particular portion of James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11 gives us three examples of patience. You can fill in the blanks in your little bulletin or brochure that you have tonight. But we've looked at two of them, and the third one we're going to look at tonight. But in verse 7, you find the patience of the farmer. Notice what he said in verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman, that is a farmer, waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. So he talked about the patience of the farmer. We looked at that patience and how we're to be patient as we wait for the return of the Lord. Notice in verse 10, he talks about the patience of the prophets. Take my brethren the prophets, he said in verse 10, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. And we saw in the prophets there of how patient they were 
when they underwent certain trials and adversity in their life. The third example is found in verse 11, and it is the patience of Job. Now, this is the only time of the New Testament that the name Job is mentioned. The only quote from the book of Job, even as important as the book of Job was to Jewish people, the only quote from the book of Job is found in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 19, where Paul said, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And that is a quote from Job 5, 13. He taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and the counsel of the forward is carried headlong. That's the only quote in the New Testament from the book of Job, even though it's one of the largest books in the Bible. And this is the only reference or mention of Job in the New Testament. Now, all of you tonight are very familiar with the story of Job. What a fascinating book it is. And one of these days, we're going to work our way through that book. But what a fascinating book it is. And, of course, the thing that stands out in Job's life is the adversity that he went through and the trials that he went through. And we're all familiar with the first chapter, how there's a conversation between God and the devil, and God gives Satan permission to do certain things to Job. For example, Satan was permitted to do four things in the life of Job. One, he was permitted to take Job's fortune. You find him losing basically everything. He lost his flocks, he lost his crops all in a matter of hours. So Satan was permitted to take Job's fortune. Second of all, he was permitted to touch Job's family. He lost every one of his children in just a matter of hours. And then thirdly, he was permitted to torture Job's flesh. But you found him in the ash heap of the city, scraping the sores that he had. Many believed that he had elephantitis. And then the fourth thing was, Satan was permitted to turn Job's friends. So you could sum up all the adversity of Job in those four statements. Satan was permitted to take Job's fortune, to touch Job's family, to torture Job's flesh, and to turn Job's friends. Now here's what you've got to remember about everything Job went through. He had no idea what was going on in his life. Now we know exactly what was going on. We've read all 42 chapters. We know the beginning and we know the end. And we know what was happening. We know what was going on. But you've got to remember, when Job was going through everything he was going through, he had no idea what was going on. All he knows is that he was serving God and, and honoring God in his life, a man that had an outstanding testimony, a man that abhorred evil in his life, as Job chapter 1 talks about, a man that was serving God, blessed of God, and then all of a sudden, Everything unravels. A messenger comes with the news of this disaster. A messenger comes with the news of this disaster. And then another messenger. And Job has no idea about the conversation that went on between God and Satan. He has no idea that God has permitted Satan to touch Job. He doesn't know anything about it all. We know, but Job had no idea. So here is Job going through a trial in his life going through all of this adversity with no understanding whatsoever about what is going on. But yet when you come to the New Testament, it is interesting that in the only reference to Job in the New Testament, that it is his patience that is magnified. It is how Job faced his trials, going through a time when he did not understand. Here is how Job stood in that dark hour. I want us to glean from this one verse of Scripture three lessons tonight about how to stand 
when we don't understand. Jot these three things down, fill in the blanks in your brochure and it'll help you to remember it. The first thing, when we don't understand, number one, don't forsake God. When we don't understand, don't forsake God. Now look at the statement there in verse 11. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. As I said a moment ago, Job was very, very important in Jewish literature. And so when he says, ye have heard, almost any Jew would have heard or at least read about Job. They would have heard lessons that had been taught about Job. So James says, ye have heard of the patience of Job. Now we've been finding that word patience now for the past two or three weeks, for example. In verse 7 and verse 10, we saw the word patience. And if you remember, we saw that the word patience in verse 7 and in verse 10 is a word that speaks of long-suffering. How that we're to be long-suffering as we await the return of the Lord. How and when we go through certain things and we're mistreated by others, we're to be long-suffering. That is, we're not hasty to retaliate or to try to get even. And we saw that in both of those examples. And that's what the word patience in verse 7 and 10 means. But notice verse 11, you have the word patience, and it's an altogether different word. James now employs a different word to teach another truth. Again, in verse 7 and 10, the word means long-suffering. But in verse 11, the word patience that is used means to be steadfast. When James is talking about the patience of Job, he is talking about the steadfastness of Job. And the particular word that he uses that has the ideal of steadfast speaks of enduring adverse circumstances with the assurance that a certain end is in sight. In other words, let me put it this way. The word patience that he talks about and the patience of Job is that he endured the adverse circumstances that he went through knowing and had the assurance that God was in complete charge of everything that he was going through. What you see when you look at Job, the patience of Job, is you see an example of unwavering loyalty to God. Here is a man that was steadfast. Here is a man that no matter what happened in his life, he was loyal to God. No matter how the winds blew in his life, he was loyal to God. No matter how dark things got, no matter how difficult things got, no matter how despairing things got, here was a man that was loyal to God. He was a man that did not forsake God. That's what he means, the patience of Job. Now let me just say two things about this patience of Job. For one thing, it tells me that he was faithful to God. Here is a man that was faithful to God. God. Again, no matter what happened in his life, he didn't abandon God. He didn't forsake God, but he was faithful to God. Now let me just point out a few examples of that. Take your Bible and turn back to the book of Job. And if you want to, you can follow it on the screen, but I would encourage you to use your Bibles as well. Job chapter 1, and notice with me, beginning in verse 20. Say something about the faithfulness of Job. The faithfulness of Job, how he was faithful to God. Here is the, these adverse circumstances in his life, but he's faithful to God. Notice in verse 20 about what is going on in Job's life. Then Job arose. This is when practically he's lost everything. He rent his mantle, which was an expression of grief, shaved his head, which was an expression of grief, deep grief and sorrow, and he fell down on the ground and he worshipped. Notice verse 21 and said, Naked came I 
out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Look at verse 22. And all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Now get the picture now. Here's a man that's lost everything. He's lost his flocks, he's lost his crops, and he's lost his sons and his daughters, all within a matter of hours. No sooner had one messenger finished his story, and here comes another messenger. And no sooner does he finish his story, than there's another messenger there. Job loses it all in just a matter of hours. But how does Job respond? Instead of getting bitter against God, instead of getting angry with God, he falls on his knees and he worships God. And he begins to say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all that Job did, in every reaction, everything he did, he did not charge God foolishly. He didn't become bitter against God. He did not become angry with God. Look at chapter 2 and verse 9. Here's another example of his faithfulness to God. Chapter 2 and verse 9, Then said his wife unto him, And you've got to sympathize with Mrs. Job. She had lost everything. She had lost her children. Not, not only had Job lost children, but these, this mother had lost all of her children in a matter of hours and lost everything else. And you can understand and sympathize a bit with her, but notice what she said. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. Now the word curse there many times speaks, is used, it's used both in a positive and in a negative sense. In a positive, it re, is a word that refers to paying homage to someone, but here it's used in a negative sense. Curse God. That is to blame God. Why don't you turn your back on God? God has brought all this to pass. God allowed all this to happen. Joe, why do you still retain your integrity? Why don't you just abandon God? Why don't you just forsake God? Look what he said to her in verse 10. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? And in all this did not Job sin with his lips. James says, look at the patience of Job. Look at the steadfastness of Job. A man that did not forsake God, no matter how difficult it got, look at him. He did not forsake God. And you find the example of his faithfulness to the Lord. Now, you've got to remember now, Job had his moments. For example, look at chapter 3 and verse 1. The Bible said, After this opened Job his mouth and cursed his day. And you can read that chapter there. It's one of the most depressing chapters in all the Bible. Job cursed his day. Job said, why did, I, why, why did I not die in my mother's womb? Why was I not a miscarriage? Why did, why did I have to be born? And he curses the day that he was born and regrets the life in some sense that he, that, he, that he had and all that he was going through. But he didn't blame God. And he didn't curse God. He cursed his day, but he did not curse his Lord. He did not let his trials and he did not let his circumstances change his attitude about God. How many times has things happen in our life and we get angry with God? And we begin to blame God say, God, if you loved me, you wouldn't have let this happen. God, if you loved me, you would have stopped this. Lord, if you loved me, then this is what would have happened in my life. And we begin to get bitter. And we begin to vent our bitterness toward God. And we begin to blame God and be angry with God. But not Job. 
He did not forsake God. And all that he went through, he was faithful to God. But look at something else about Job and his faithfulness to God and how that he did not forsake God. He was faithful to God, but second of all, he had faith in God. And one of the reasons that he was faithful to God was his faith in God. Look at Job chapter 13 and notice verse 15. Job chapter 13 and notice verse 15. He was a man that in spite of everything he was going through, he did not let it shake his faith in God. He did not let his circumstances change his attitude about God. And he did not let things shake his faith in God. Job 13 verse 15 this is a great verse. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. Job says, it doesn't matter what he does in my life. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to maintain my ways before him, and I'm going to trust God. Job is saying, right in the middle of his storm, a storm, an unprecedented storm in a man's life, he was a man that was faithful to God. He was a man that had faith in God. How do you stand when you don't understand? I submit unto you, number one, as Job, don't forsake God. No place to quit in your storm. No place to give up when you're going through adversity. When the storms come, don't get bitter with God. Don't get angry with God. Don't do the blame game with God. Trust God. Be faithful to God. Serve God in the dark the same way you'd serve God in the light. Don't forsake God. But there's a second lesson we can glean from this. And that is when you, how to stand when you don't understand. Second of all, don't forget God. First of all, don't forsake God. And second of all, don't forget God. Now look at the statement there in, Joe, in James chapter 5 and verse 11. And how they have seen the end of the Lord. See that statement there? He said, you have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord. See that statement there? He says to these Jewish readers, you've heard about Job, you've heard of the steadfastness of Job, a man that in the middle of his adversity was faithful to God, had faith in God. You have heard about what he went through and you've also seen the end result of it all. You see the word end there? Write this down. It's a kind of a lengthy definition. I try to... I give them down to one or two words, but really for you to understand the word in, it is a word that speaks of a goal toward which a movement is directed. It's like something is going on, but it's something that has a goal. It is something that has an objective. There is an object in mind. There is something that it's shooting for. And when he talks about, but you have seen the end of the Lord. You have seen the conclusion of all God was doing. You have seen the end result of what God was doing in the life of Job. Now, we read that in the book of Job. We read about his adversity. We read about his trials, and yet through it all, he did not forsake God. He was faithful to God. He kept his faith in God. But when you come to the end of the book, you see somewhat of the conclusion or the end or the goal that God was reaching for in everything and this happened in the book of Job, in Job's life. For example, look in Job 42. The book of Job chapter 42. And let me just point out uh, the conclusion of the whole matter. Everything that Job was going through had a reason behind it. And you find the conclusion of it in chapter 42. In Job chapter 42, notice with me please, beginning in verse 10. Job chapter 42 and verse 10. And the Lord, the Bible said 
turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. God let Satan uh, take and strip Job of everything. But when it was all said and done, when you see the end of the Lord, you find that Job ended up with twice as much as he had in the very beginning. Look at verse 11. Then came there unto him all of his brethren and all of his sisters and, they all, and all they that had been of his acquaintance before and did eat bread with him in his house. They bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money and every one an earring of gold. I mean, God even had people bringing in love offerings for old Job. He'd lost everything, but here come people feeling sorry for him and he ended up with twice than what he had. Verse 12 said, So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and a 1,000 yoke of oxen and a 1,000 she-asses. Verse 13, He also had seven sons and three daughters. We didn't double his children. Oh, yes, he did. He had seven sons and three daughters in heaven, had seven sons and three daughters on earth. And verse 14 said, that He called the name of the first Jemima and the name of the second Keziah, and the name of the third one, Karen Happy-Go-Lucky. That's the best way I know how to say that. Verse 15, And in all the land were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job. Now I thought about this afternoon as I meditated on that verse of Scripture. What that is saying is Job had the best-looking girls in all, the whole countryside. Poor old fella, he's just gone through a trial. Now he's got to worry about boys beating on his door wanting the daughter's hands. And the father gave them the inheritance among their brethren. Verse 16, after this lived Job to 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. Verse 17, so Job died being old and full of days. Now that's the end of the Lord. Verse 17 talks about full of days, which simply means he was satisfied with life. Job looks back, he'd lost everything, but he doesn't look back with regrets. He only looks back rejoicing. For he looks back and he sees how God brought him through it all and blessed him twofold. And Job rejoices in it. So you find Job here. You see the end of it. You see the conclusion of everything that went on in Job's life. Now I draw from that these two simple little principles. And that is when you're going through the storm, how to stand when you don't understand, don't forget God. First, don't forget the presence of God. Now again, Job did not know what was going on. Now there were times, and you go on through the book of Job, that he begins to question, where are you, God? And he begins to question what God is doing. But he begins to wonder, God, are you here? God, are you doing anything in my life? But Job realizes that God had been there all the time. In fact, James says, the end of the Lord in verse 11 there, he found that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. That phrase, very pitiful there, is not talking about someone pitiful. He's very pitiful as we might use the phrase. But it's a word that simply means that God is full of compassion. He learned that God was full of compassion. He learned that God was full of tender mercies. He found that the Lord was there through it all. Now remember, don't forget God. When you're going through things in your life and going through storms, don't forget He is there. Now you may not see Him and you may not sense Him, but He's there. Amen? Are you listening to me? There's never a moment that He will not be there. Don't forget the presence of God. Second of all, don't forget the purpose of God. 
He is not only there, but He's always at work. There's an end to what God is doing. There is a goal in all of His workings in our life. There somewhere is a conclusion to what is going on. Today may be rosy red, tomorrow the bottom may fall out. And if you live, if you're God's child, then you know that your life is in His hands. And nothing catches God by surprise. There are no accidents in God's economy. There's only appointments and arrangements. And so when you stop and realize there is an end, don't forget that. When you're going through those times of adversity, don't forget the Lord. Don't forget that He has a purpose in what is going on in your life. Don't forget that He has a goal and what is going on in your life. That there is a divine objective in all things that touch our life. You believe that tonight? Say amen. Thirdly, I jot then I get this thought from this statement. How to stand when you don't understand. Don't forsake God. Don't forget God. And thirdly, don't fight God. Look at the opening words of verse 11. Behold, we count them happy which endure see the words there count them happy they're translated in three words in our Bibles but they actually those three words actually come from one word and what an interesting word it is count them happy it is a word that means to pronounce and to esteem blessed or fortunate let me read it this way behold we pronounce and esteemed those that go through trials blessed and fortunate or fortunate. Look what James says. We count them happy. Those that are going through trials, Job is a man that went through trials, but he was a blessed man to go through those trials. Job was a man that went through adversity like none of us can even imagine, but he was a fortunate man to go through it. That's what he's telling us. He said, we count them, Job, anybody else that goes through a trial, we count them blessed to go through that trial. We count them fortunate to go through a trial. Now, we don't like to think of someone being fortunate to be able to suffer. We think it's a matter of fortunate that things are going well. From a human perspective, it is. We want it's fortunate if, if we're healthy. It is for, we're fortunate if we have a good job. We're fortunate if we things are going good in our life. But on the divine perspective, when we look at it from God's point of view, we're blessed when we go through a trial. We're fortunate that God has let us go through a storm. And we're fortunate that God has allowed this to happen in our life. Now that all brings me to this idea. How should we look at our trials? Jot these two things down. One. We should allow God to work in our lives. We ought to count ourselves fortunate that God is so interested in us that He would let us go through something that is going to bring us into greater blessings. We ought to look at our storms and say, if God's brought this storm in my life, there's an end in view. There is a goal in mind. And we often say, if God loved me, he wouldn't let me go through the storm. No, an indication of God's love is our storms. Because there's more that God wants to do for us. And there's things that God wants to bless us with. Job, he wanted to give him twice what he had. So going through the storm, Job was blessed to go through that storm. He was fortunate to go through that storm. Because when he came out on the other side, he had twofold. And when we go through the storm, 
we ought to see this thing. When I come out of this, I'm going to be more blessed than I've ever been before. Therefore, I'm not going to fight God. I'm going to allow God to work in my life. And second of all, not only should we allow God to work in our life, but we should anticipate, second of all, what God will bring to pass in our life. It's not easy to go through the storms. I don't want you to think tonight that I'm advocating and saying to you, when the bottom falls out, jump up and down and say, glory to God, I'm blessed to be going through this. I'm fortunate to be going through this. No, it's not that way. It is difficult to go through storms. But I'll tell you one thing. Remember this. Look at all of your storms and anticipate what God is going to bring to pass in your life. Don't fight what God is doing. Look at James chapter 1, notice verse uh, 2 through 4. We've looked at this before, but this is where he started, and this is where he's concluding. Notice we've looked at it before, what tremendous words were given from God in these statements. James 1 verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall not if you fall we've pointed that out before my brethren can it all joy when not if the issue is not what to do if trouble comes the issue is what to do when trouble comes he said count it all joy when you fall into multiplied types of trials divers temptations knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience there's a goal in mind there is a conclusion that is going to reap blessings in your life knowing this that the trying of your faith is working something in your life that's why he says in verse 4 but let patience have her perfect work so when you look at Job's life we learn not to forsake God but be faithful to God be steadfast no matter what's going on in our life don't forget God when we're going through the storm don't forget he's with us and don't forget second of all he's doing something in our life Therefore, don't fight God. Don't rebel against what is going on in your life. Don't struggle with what is going on in your life. Don't get bitter with God or blame God, but allow God to work in your life and anticipate what God is going to bring to pass in your life. Let patience have her perfect work in you. There are times when we don't understand. But we stand by not forsaking God forgetting God, fighting God when we don't understand. Take your prayer sheet tonight.